0: We're here to make a dent in the universe, or else why are we even doing this? If I don't think I cut out with the fun stuff, because that to me is the fun stuff. Build that audience, because if you've got no one to sell it to, then it's just going to flop and die, and no one likes a floppy, right? I'm yet to meet a woman who just kind of grew up confidently in her body. Welcome to my podcast. I'm Nicole Bremner. Join my weekly conversations with really interesting people as I delve into the stories and experiences that make them uniquely them. Good morning and welcome. And uh, as you can see, I am drifting around the Greek islands on a boat right now. And I just want to say a big thank you to the organisers who have really pulled together and put this conference together in a new era that we're now in. So uh, uh, yes, sorry if there's any water sounds, I am on a boat. Now, one other thing I will add is I did have this beautiful uh, presentation organized, but I've had some IT issues this morning. and It's quite early here in the morning and I've not been able to recover my presentation. So after this, if you'd like a copy of my beautiful slides, I'm very happy to send them over to you. Now, it used to be that big corporates or that the management of big corporates could hide behind their corporate brand and they were almost invisible to us weren't they we we didn't know who the ceos and mds of our large corporations were in fact it was only if you were say a fund manager or an investor into these companies that you would you'd get to know the the management the executive team and the founders of these of these large corporations many of the ones that we know the large fund managers um, Coca-Cola, the Pepsi group, things like that, these big, big brands. What's happened, though, in the last couple of decades is that this has really changed. Even not just the founders, people like Elon Musk and uh, Richard Branson, these people, they've not only become uh, A-list celebrities in their own right, even the the management, the executive teams of these companies have also become A-list celebrities. And... Definitely well known. Now, one of the questions I asked myself is whether it was the increase in, say, uh, the tabloid press, things like the Daily Fail, the Daily Mail, sorry, and uh, whether that created more celebrities, or whether the more celebrities has led to more interest in the, in this sort of tabloid press area. But one thing's for certain is that it has created this whole new area of celebrity. Then what happened is we had this increase in social media platforms. And this created a whole new type of celebrity and that is the influencer. And the influencer market grew and we've got people like um, Ronaldo, who is a sports person, but actually he probably earns almost more now from his uh, Instagram endorsements than he does from his football. And Leo Messi and Neymar, these top, top footballers now, they've got millions of followers. And that then started as the, the top influencers became really quite expensive. What the marketers would do is they started targeting the next layer down and the next layer and the next layer. And then we had what we would call micro-influencers, which are people who have got, say, 10,000 to 100,000 followers, not in the, the stratospheric sphere of the, uh, of the full influencers. And then... As they started becoming more, more expensive, we now have this whole nano-influencer space. And what's very exciting about that is that any of us here are capable of getting into that nano space, because that is anyone from a 1,000 to 10,000 uh, followers across of, across social media. And what really surprised, surprises me now about uh, social media is how widely accepted it is. And even in the Even in the uh, areas of um, uh, the newspapers, even the high-brow influencers are, um, uh, sorry, even the high-brow news agencies like the BBC are so often quoting uh, tweets from various people. And recently I've even seen TikToks being aired and, and used in the news. So anyway, what is the point of all of this? And that is a very good question, and that's why I'm going to, share my story. And what happened is in around 2010, I started investing in property in East London. And I was relatively successful. And it was at a time when East London was going through this stratospheric change, Uh, house prices over a 20 year period went up over 900%. And I was very lucky to be well placed to, to buy into that market and ride this rising market. So what happened is I I was petrified about speaking in public but very soon I got over that and I started speaking at these various property meets and as you probably be aware there are dozens of property meets all over countries uh, every single month and they all need speakers and so I cut my teeth I guess on these on this speaking circuit and I'd go out and speak and I'd tell my story and I'd show all the pretty presentations of these properties I was developing and what i love doing is buying these tumble down derelict properties in east london and turning them into beautiful family homes and it was while i was on this speaking circuit that a lady came up to me after it and said your story's really engaging why don't you write a book and i and that was around summer 2016 i thought that that's a good idea i've always wanted to write a book and maybe I just write it about my experience in property so I started kind of germinating that idea and it wasn't until Christmas 2016 that I had a bit of time while we were skiing and I sat down and I wrote my book and in 11 days I'd had a manuscript that I was really happy with sent that off to my editor and uh, let them get on with it but then I started thinking I really want someone other than my mother to buy this book. What am I going to do and how am I going to get the word out? And this is when I thought, okay, social media is going to be the best way to magnify this. If I speak at this conference, I can speak to a a few thousand people, which is great. But normally I was speaking to... Dozens of people at a time, or up to a hundred, couple hundred. And I thought, this is going to be a really tough slug selling this book. And so, what I did is I started reading and consuming every bit of information I could on social media marketing. And I thought, what I would do is start with one platform at a time, increase my presence on that platform before moving on to the next one. So, I started with Twitter. And I found that. um, over the next couple of years, I really, really focused on just increasing these. And I've, since 2016, when I first started with around 500, uh, uh, 500 followers on each platform, I've now got over 45,000 on uh, Instagram 34,000 I believe on LinkedIn obviously you're maxed out at the 30 so they they now follow and uh, Twitter I don't go on anymore I have decided not to focus on that and then now I'm growing the YouTube and so this has really really worked and what happened is that people started noticing that myself and my team were really working on our personal brands. And then what would happen is when I'd be invited to speak at these various uh, property events, it was more often on building a personal profile rather than on property because people became really curious at that. We were really, really at the forefront of of building a personal brand in property. And so what it it meant for us is that we even started running full-day workshops called Property Go Live on the topic of building your uh, presence within property and how to use storytelling to do that because what people really resonate with is is stories what i what i noticed and what i was noticing is this marketing rule of seven and that means that people need to touch your brand seven times in order to trust you enough to interact with you and so when you're speaking with someone and then you they see you on social media on the various platforms and then they purchase your book that they are all touches and then if, if they meet you that might be another one as well but that's not always possible and so it was it's a really a uh, powerful way of magnifying that rule of seven so what has that allowed me to do well I get lots of freebies I get lots of people offering me products to review and I do that on occasion if it's something that I genuinely believe in it also has had led to offers of uh, investment. I've now invested in a couple of very interesting companies. Uh, one of them is uh, Bamboo Auctions, which is an online property auction company. And I also sit on the board there. And another one's completely different, a music merchandise company called Terrible Merch. I also have had a couple of other investors, investments that have not been quite so successful, but there are the two that have I've also been offered a number of uh, non-exec direct directorships one of those is Cogress and again this is all brought about by building my profile. The other really interesting thing is that people bring me sites. Now when I speak to property developers about what their two biggest issues are number one is capturing the sites finding the right sites that are viable and that they can they can develop out and the second thing is raising finance. And that's what you're interested in today, I know, is the, the raising finance. And my building my profile really helped me with raising finance. Because as I was speaking at these various property groups, people would come up to me and say, I really want to be part of what you're doing. How do we become part of that? And anyone in, uh, in property and finance will know that you've got to be very careful about how you take on investments. So for me, I had an introduction to a crowdfunding company, and I was able to then Uh, leverage my presence to raise over 6.4 million from uh, six different projects. Um, Yeah, we raised 6.4 million on six different projects uh, from hundreds of of, uh, investors, some with as little as 500 pounds. This meant that I was able to really scale up the business in a way that we were not able to do previously. Uh, At the moment, we have, uh, we're finalizing some 109 units across uh, a few different projects, a few different areas in in North and East London, and that uh, it just really scaled up my business in, in a way that I didn't previously believe was possible. So now I guess the question you want to know is, how do you do this? Now, the very first thing I'll say is that especially now, and I'm going to touch on this in a bit, but especially now when there are so many people doing it, it is harder. For me at the time, it was easier. In 2016, 17, I was a woman in property, which was very, very rare. I was Australian, or I am Australian, (laughs) which means that I don't have the, the whole I guess, class barriers or the the questioning of, am I able to do this? I just do it because that's that's my attitude. And uh, so it was a bit easy for me. And I was able to really hone in on these niches and have people notice me because some of you might be familiar with the Seth Godin principle of the purple cow. If you're driving along and you see this paddock full of black and white cows, and all of a sudden you see a purple and white one, you're going to say to your friend in the car I just saw a purple cow now the whole idea of social media is that you become the purple cow and how do you do this the key way of doing this is to have clear niches now I would go so far as to say you need a micro niche and again because of the environment we're in right now it's even more important to have a micro niche now The way that you do this is, I would say, to try and pick three things about you. Just imagine that you're at MIPM. Now MIPM is one of the largest property networking and uh, conferences of its kind, and the reason I picked this is it's in Europe. When you go there, it is a sea of white men in navy suits. And that means anyone like me is going to stick out because I'm a woman. But what it means is if you're a white man in a Navy suit, you are going to blend in with everyone else. And if you're Dave from London, how is anyone going to remember you, let alone your business name? We don't remember business names, we remember people. So what you need to do is stand out in that crowd. Let's just say you're into skydiving, as an example. If you can somehow very early in a conversation, slip in the fact that you're an accomplished skydiver who's done I don't know 100 jumps I don't know the terminology all of a sudden people are going to say oh yeah David from London the sky the the skydiver yes that's about him so it's about communicating very early on this micro niche so for me I'm a woman in property which makes me quite unique because not just property, but property development. I'm on sites and not as a professional, but as the, the key developer. Uh, numerous times I'll be on an email train. Uh, it doesn't happen so much now. I'll be on an email train and all of a sudden someone will respond and say, dear Nicole, can you please sort out this invoice? <laughs> and I'll go back and say, uh, I'm the developer, but I'll pass that on to our admin. Thank you very much. So being a woman in, in property development is still uh, unusual. Then we go on to personal and lifestyle. So for me, I'm the mum of three, but not just a mum of three. I'm mum to many, if you count stepchildren. I think they're about, what, eight, <laughs> eight and hopefully not counting. But uh, And there are also seven grandchildren as well. So a lot of children. And we also, we enjoy sailing. And so we, uh, I produce videos about our sailing adventures aboard this boat that I'm on right now. And so instantly that set me apart from other people because I've got lots of children. I can joke about that. I sail. And then finally, my other niche is my podcast. And this is something that I've taken up over the last uh, three years as well. And it's something that I absolutely love of all the things I've got. It's, uh, it's the thing that I, I love the most. I've just got a question here. How much time would you expect to spend on your brand each week versus actually sourcing investment? So yeah, this is, a, this is a really good question. And when people say to me, I don't have time to work on my social media, I would say, if you are interested in building your profile, you have to spend time. It's one of your business functions is, is spending time on your social media. So I would say that you would need to spend Uh, Anywhere up to two hours a day on building your social media presence or your profile in the very beginning, once you've got those various things in place, you can do it in as little as 30 minutes. Uh, As far as sourcing investments, yeah, we're sourcing investments at the moment but not quite so much. I'm more keen to finish those. I'm currently working on setting up a recovery fund for London I'm looking at setting up a, a recovery fund in London. So at the moment, we're we're interested in, in sourcing leftover stock from large developments. So, again, we don't spend too much time on that. But um, for me, building that profile and having that profile is very, very important. So just to go back over my niches. So first of all, a woman in property, very unusual. The lifestyle, which is the... Uh, having uh, being a mum and sailing and then finally we've got the podcast so they're the three things that I want to impart to people when I meet them now I did mention where we are right now and anyone with a LinkedIn profile will know that you're probably being bombarded with marketing emails lately and I did some research in this on this and it's since COVID People have increased their social media usage by some ten and a half percent. That's to July 2020. People are now spending, and get this, this is really interesting. People are spending two hours and twenty-four minutes a day on social media. That is a lot of time—two and a half hours a day on social media. And what it—it's—it's it's good and bad. The good news in that is that there are a lot more people out there who are really interested in consuming your content. The the bad thing for you, if you're starting out right now is there's also a lot more people out there who are producing content. I think uh, off the top of my head, uh, 19 people are uh, 19% more people are producing video for their social media than 12 months ago. Um, So that's, that's um, a, a huge increase. Now, What I want to do now is take you through how to do this because that's the really really important bit. So there are there are a number of keys and seven key points to successfully uh, growing your presence online and this again feeds into a um, it, it does feed into offline and I think that it's very important to make sure that your offline activities complement your online and things like this today so I'm presenting to you not live unfortunately but I'm able to use the content from this online even though this is an offline and an offline or it traditionally would have been an offline so let's go over these seven key points number one is add value there is no point just posting now for posting sake people have overload of information and they're going to be incredibly successful, uh, incredibly selective about what information they consume. Your information and your content that you share must add value. Let's just say you're a quantity surveyor. Rather than just posting a picture of you on site, why not post and talk about the importance of cost controls on brick buildings, for example, or if you're a broker, You can talk about uh, various loans or uh, finance lines that are now available or base rate changes or things like that, or even case studies. A really good way of, of, if you have clients, is use your client's content to bolster your own. (coughs) Excuse me. And this, again, is a very effective way of uh, increasing your content leveraging off their contacts as well because they'll then share that and you'll be adding value Uh, the second thing so number two is keep brand consistency and that involves uh, keeping a fresh uniform look across your whole social media using the same profile picture if appropriate we've all seen that fantastic meme of the picture for linkedin picture for instagram picture for facebook picture for tinder and it's quite a hilarious view of how differently we put ourselves out there on the various platforms but uh, try and keep it consistent try and keep your color scheme consistent <coughs> excuse me <coughs> excuse me uh, and also try and keep it on niche so i've got those three those three niches i've talked about i would say the rule of thumb would be to keep 80% professional and 20% lifestyle. Now, I found that I didn't really keep my my content consistent over the last few years. And what has happened is that over the last, uh, say, two years, as I've pivoted in my career away from hands-on property development on site to more of an investment development type role, and I've increased the amount of time that I spend sailing, what's happened is all those people who were following me for pure property development no longer wanted to, and I have lost some followers over the last few years as I, I've, lost, I've lost property followers, gained sailing followers as I've pivoted my business around to this uh, to the new way that I want to take the business so that's it's really important if you are building a a brand to keep that brand consistent now the third point is sort of linked to this and it's get to know your audience if you are talking about if you're our property and and it's property 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 and all of a sudden you pivot and you start talking about football and you're constantly talking about Liverpool or uh, you're going to alienate the people who are following you for property. And after a while, they will say, well, this person just talks far too much about football, not enough about property, so therefore i'm I'm no longer going to, to follow them. So really get to know your audience. And also, even more so now, people want to build this connection and this uh, this comfort. They want to know the people, get to know the people that they're that they're following. And I must say, I've made some wonderful friends who I've never even met in real life or for social media. And that's because we've taken the time to get to know them, which leads me to my next point, and that is engage in others' posts. Social media is that. It's social. You need to engage. It's Unless you're Kim Kardashian, you don't have to respond to all your comments because you couldn't physically do it. But everyone else, I think, should be out there responding to comments. If people are taking the time to comment on your things, at least... Try to be uh, courteous enough to to comment and to, to post back. <clears throat> the next one, the fifth, is stick to a schedule. It will help you with your algorithms on the various platforms and it will also allow people to, to know what to expect. And it might just be once a week. It might be that on LinkedIn, once a week, every Friday at 3 p.m., you're going to post uh, on LinkedIn. And that's fine because that's what people expect. So I would say that to try and have the absolute uh, minimum, maximum that you're able to, to post and just stick with that. The second last one is follow those you want to build a relationship with. As I said, I've made some wonderful, I've formed wonderful relationships with people who I've never actually met. And it's and they then refer me on to other people or they recommend people to me when I need I needed an interior designer I put a call out and I got thousands of responses this is all really valuable it's really interesting and it's this is what social media to me is all about and finally if you don't put a call to action on your posts people won't know what to do and don't assume that people can read between the lines and just know what you expect them to do if you don't say Follow me here. Like this. Subscribe. People won't. They're flicking through their their feeds, And unless you put a call to action, a prominent call to action, people won't know what to do. So if we had a lot longer, I would give you a lot more tips on how to do this and, and take you through some examples of people who are really doing a good job online. I don't have time, but I'll give you some names quickly of people that you should check out. So on LinkedIn, Mike Winnett and Rob Moore, they're doing brilliant things on LinkedIn. Uh, Inside Property Investing, Daniel Daggers, uh, both of those are really good on Instagram, as is uh, Susanna Cole. She's doing a great job in property. Twitter, if you want a good example of Twitter, have a look at Daniel Nolte. He's more on the marketing side, so uh, not so much property. And Dan Priestley, he's great on Facebook and Instagram. Have a look at him. He, again, he's more uh, business. And the other person that's doing a really great job on Facebook is Shah Wasman. She's just, she could write the manual for how to how to market on, on, Inst- on Facebook, sorry. But I just want to finish on one point, and that is that we are in really unprecedented times. We have, we've got people who are sitting at home bored and lonely because they're locked down we've got people who want to consume your content but ultimately they're not going to want to do that unless you're able to provide for them this connection and this comfort and I would say if you really are keen and committed to building up your profile really double down on finding your micro niche and build a community that's solid supportive and uplifting. Thank you very much. And if you have got any questions, I think I've got about two more minutes to answer some of those. And as I said, I'm happy to share my slides with you later on. I've just had a question come through. What have you found the biggest challenge in entering the market? I think the biggest challenge that anyone entering the market uh, and I think what you're referring to is uh, social media presence, anyone in, and anyone entering right now, the biggest challenge is going to be that there is just so much uh, competition. So many people are out there all trying to do the same thing, especially now. So think about that purple cow. What is it that, you, that will make you stand out from everyone else? Because ultimately... Uh, We're in a a, a sea of many, many other people who are all doing very similar things. So what is is it about you that makes you special? Uh, Is it as simple as you've got bright pink hair so people can see you? Or is it that you really specialize in being a quantity surveyor for uh, large blocks within a certain location of London, for example? So just really double down on that. Um, Thank you very much. Again, uh, thank you to the organisers for putting on such an incredible virtual show and I hope you enjoy the rest of this conference. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please support us with a like, comment, subscribe and share. And you can always join the conversation live across my YouTube, Facebook and LinkedIn pages at 1pm every Thursday. See you there soon.